it's a, a place where there's a huge importance placed on how people look, who they are with, the things that you see in the media, about how throughout there's an association between body image worth of an individual. I was put on my first diet when I was 13. That caused me to always feel not as pretty as everybody else around me. I need to prove how smart I am. Society's version of what? And then there's your yes. version of your own work. To this day, I just get exceedingly angry in a family setting. Anybody comments about weight because of all the things that we have to talk about, you have to fucking talk about my art. Why would I think that I'm not worthy of love just because I'm not a size whatever is in fashion that I don't even know? Welcome to the show, Shara. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Uh, I want to begin by asking, uh, what's your origin story? What's your background? And what makes you, uh, and does that influence you know, what, what you are today, who you are today? Yeah, sure. So <laughs> I am originally from Spain. I grew up in a smaller city of around 140,000 people. And I was very, very fortunate and very privileged to live in um, a very warm environment in a family who absolutely loved me and absolutely wanted me to, to thrive and do lots of things. And um, I was very encouraged to pursue my interests and, and to do the things that I like to do. Um, but also in very typical 80s style, I was uh, pushed to, you know, do more and and be a very good student and all of that, which, to be honest, I never had a problem with. And uh, but my parents always, you know, impressed in me the importance of continuing to do well if I wanted to enjoy the liberties that they were giving me. So, that's that's um, how it all started. I, you know, I was someone who had a, a bit of a different um, family to, to my friends because my dad uh, was a merchant sailor. So he used to work six months at sea and then come yeah. back. So I was mainly um, with my mom and my grandmothers. So, you know, very matriarchal type of um, upbringing. And they were they're all lionesses. So I was always, um, you know, with people who I could look up to that were independent, that they were secure, that, you know, they always told me I could do anything I wanted. But also, um, you know, I am a product of my parents who, you know, came from a society where there were the, the swing 60s and the revolutions of the 70s. Um, so they were completely forward thinking, but they they lived through a dictatorship, which um, only came down... I think it was the year after I was born, um, or at least that's the year of our constitution. And so they, they were definitely the type of people to impress the importance of that uh, liberty and independence, um, which has, you know, come a long way with me because I am very fiercely independent and, and that's one of the things I do value. But on, on the flip side of that is that back then we didn't really have the um, access that we have nowadays to other things. So Spain uh, had been relatively, you know, cocooned from, from external influences. Um, and yet 
we were, like I said, me growing up in the 80s and 70s, very suddenly opened up to to everything that was happening around us. Um, for me, uh, that kind of um, reflected into being in, in a society where everybody uh, is able to openly comment and, and criticize on certain things, particularly the home where I come from. It's very judgy and it's a, a place where there's a huge importance placed on how people look, who they are with, how, what they do, what they don't do. It's very traditional in that sense. Um, so there was this whole, you know, pressure cooker of being a smart child who is definitely encouraged to be smart. But on the other hand, you know, having all of these external influences about, you know, how the world perceives you, which is not your right. brain. It's, you know, the other things. And, and again, um, coming from that kind of environment, um, you very clearly stop picking up on you know the things that you see in the media the things that you see in in tv about how throughout there's an association between uh body image and worth of an individual which is what, what, which is quite uh, tricky what so growing up uh i mean there's that's a lot for anyone let alone a child or a growing or young adult to yeah. sort of receive from I guess immediate family and then of course like you know you look at media and everyone else basically yes. also says the same thing and suddenly yes. as you said like the pressure cooker builds in your in your yeah. mind right so if you think about body image uh, what what does it um, how does it affect your mental health what uh, what's the connection that you saw yourself experienced I between think, yeah. uh, what they were saying about your body image versus what you're feeling in your mind and the effect they had it it, it is um, a tremendous effect because I the, the first thing I needed to focus on were my grades and mm. you know reading and and learning and uh, learning English and doing things but at the same time you have this thing where you know I think I was put on my first diet when I was 13 um, and I could see in my mom a person that was physically stunning someone that had a body dysmorphia issue where she was constantly commenting on things that were not right or this and that and um, how, you know, I should lose a bit of weight and that kind of thing. So it, it suddenly meant, at least for me, that the balance came off kilter. I started putting, um, you know, a lot more value into my brain because obviously the physical side, <laughs> I couldn't really... Uh, managed so well mm. in the sense that I, I'm not built to be <laughs> a very dainty thin person right. um, and so that that caused me to always feel not as pretty as everybody else around me and while that's incredibly vain uh, it's it's an incredible part of you know not building your whole self in a balanced way because um, as much as it is important, and, and I'm very snobbish in that sense, to, to, to have a working brain, you also want to have a set of um, balanced 
self-worthiness that comes from I am kind, I'm empathetic, I I love people, I love my yeah. friends, I have a body that takes me places and lets me do things, it breathes, it moves, you know, it, it's not just there for consumption when it looks good, yeah. according to society, in a swimsuit. So it, it became a very... Um, a very skewed vision because I I felt out of control in, in how I looked physically. So my whole banking of my self-worth was like, I, I, I need to prove how smart I am. Um, and I think that is in itself <laughs> another way of, of, of uh, you know, building yourself up for failure because the brain is also going to fail at some points in your life. Yeah. Because you're trying to compensate, exactly, because and the beliefs that you've been yeah. told that you have to look this way and the swim swimsuit example that you gave, right? But actually, you should be happy with, with what you have and it doesn't matter. Precisely, right? precisely. And, and I think that, you know, when... Uh, Fortunately, I overcame <laughs> some. Um, what is it called in English when when you are a bit of a bit full of yourself because you know you're you're smart. I did overcome that, and I became mm. a much more humble person. And I'm, I've never felt the necessity to be the smartest person in the room, but I've always felt the need to prove that I was smart and I was mm. to be trusted with what I was doing, which. Um, like I was saying, the, the brain sometimes fails you. Sometimes uh, you you are um, the victim of external circumstances, like when you're made redundant. You know? right. And so the first time that happened to me, it was a complete um, cataclysm under my feet because I had it, it had never happened to me. I had never mm. been told about how to deal with something like that. Ultimately, every company goes through restructures and things like that, but you can't but feel that is your fault. That if you had done better, you would have you wouldn't have been yeah. made redundant. If you don't know this, you can't rationalize it you and help yeah. yourself. Yeah. So you, what I would happen to me is that I went like, oh fuck, I've absolutely done this to myself. I'm not as clever as I thought I was. I'm not as smart as I thought I was. Mm. I must be shit. And because you don't have the other leg of the table to hold you up. You know, call it call it spirituality, or call it your um, believing in your health routine, or whatever it is. Then pff, you you come crumbling right. and and you hit yourself in the face in the ground. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's not a great way of becoming, yeah. you know, fully realized. I think there's a really good point there, right? Because the self worth is extremely important, regardless of who you are, whether you're smart or not, or yes. you're pretty or not everybody's pretty in their own way everybody's Absolutely. beautiful mm. and i think there's the society's version of uh worth and then there's your yes. version of your own worth right yes. and of course if you what normally happens is you know society expects you to follow their definition of worth like swimsuit or whatever smart you know because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you've done you've gone to oxbridge un, university yes. or yes. or wherever else right so you must be uh successful yes but if you didn't do any of that, and if you don't look this way, yes. then you're not smart, yeah. and or you're not pretty. If you don't fit any of those very narrow buckets, categories, right. people don't know where to put you. So did that actually have a uh, effect on your relationships uh, with your family? But then you know, fast forward when you are you know friends, uh, um, partners, and so on. It didn't have um, an effect with the relationship with my parents. I think. Um, 
my mum always had that issue with with her physical awareness and and that kind of was passed on to me but I've had the opportunity to you know work a lot more on that um fortunately my dad never cared about any of that uh my my grandma did and to this day I just get exceedingly angry if in a family setting anybody comments about weight because mm. of all the things that we have to talk about you have to fucking talk about my ass right. it's not the thing to talk about grandma i love you but and you know she's <laughs> i love her to bits um she's she can't see very well anymore so we have a facebook portal where i can talk to her very often and she can see my toddler and she will still make comments like, oh, is she a bit strong? Or has she lost weight? And it's like, you can't see. We're looking through a, a freaking screen. Right. And you're commenting about a three-year-old. What's going on in your brain? Yeah. This is nuts. This yeah. is not, you know. Yeah. I think it's a, uh, I guess it's a generational gap, exactly. right? Exactly. But, but it makes me feel so anxious. And, and you can see by my body language, because I'm, I'm really tense just thinking about when, whenever it happens, sure. that it makes me not want to to talk to her as of, as often as I would really wish to because I know there's that's some sort of conversation that's going to happen it it also has reflected in you know making some errors in relationships we all do that but you know yeah I probably could have got out of those relationships earlier if I didn't feel that um you know my brain was carrying the whole weight of it because I probably didn't think I was going to do better because I wasn't, you know, yeah, physically attractive enough. And so that's really um, not a great example. And again, it, it, why would I think that I'm not worthy of love just because I'm not a size whatever is in fashion? I don't even know. Right. Um, so it, it is it is very tricky, but mostly the, the key relationship that is here is is with my own daughter because no matter what's happened to me what my job is now not to pass any of these onto her yeah. she needs to know that she's beautiful in the face beautiful in the heart beautiful in the brain you know beautiful when she farts she needs to know that she's a fully lovable that's person. what makes you a human right exactly and, and it's also my job to make her not be a dickhead but you know, she cannot feel that mm. she's lacking because she's not this or she's not that. Yeah, makes sense. We talk about, you know, like family and peers putting pressure, but then there's also social media. Yes. Right, pressures that you see extremely out there at the moment yes. versus uh, maybe, you know, when we were a little bit younger, when we were like tw early 20s, social media was non-existent. Uh, but now it's... In your we had face. IRC that didn't have images. Right. If you, if you are below 40, just Google it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what's your view on the social media of today? And how does I it play a role in I, that? I think it's very interesting because I, I see it as both a huge hindrance, but also giving you the ability to carve and find your, your tribe. So when, when, when I was growing up, I was not dainty. I've always been quite clumsy as well. But I was always very interested in fashion. And I love fashion and I love makeup in the way that 
it is a, a means for self-expression. It's not always about feeling pretty. It's, al- it's always about expressing a way that you're feeling today. And it could be pretty or another day it could be grungy and another day you could look like, you know, uh, someone else entirely. So it's about that both fitting and stepping out of any any box that you could be in. Because we don't have one emotion every day, right? Yeah. We have different emotions every exactly, day. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So to me, there's nothing sadder that someone has to put a suit on every single day to go to the office. You know, when, when I'm down, I put a yellow jumper. When I know that I have to make a certain impression, yes, I'll put a blazer, but it might be purple, or mm. you know what I mean? Mm. So for me, the, the ability to see that social media is changed so that there's a lot of people uh, in the body positivity movement. There's a lot of people that are championing plus size, mid size, uh, love at every size, because, you know, ultimately we all lose in this mm. in this argument. It's not just the plus size people that need to be celebrated. Everybody can, because, you know, on the other spectrum, you have people um, that are quite slim and would wish to be a bit plumper and Sorry, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but you know what I mean? You, you, you're you not always in control of your physicality. Yeah. And I think that social media has made it a lot easier to, you know, am I am I not fitting here? But OK, well, there's a huge goth community here or, mm. you know, uh, K-pop Which, whichever community. Whichever community, yeah. That in my small town when I was growing up, I didn't have any of that. Right. But on the other hand, you have all the... Love Island bullshit and and trophy buddy, which no matter how many successful businesses the Kardashians have now, they, they came from, you know, showing absolutely no value to anyone. And that's not bad, but it's not in my list of priorities how yeah. things should come. And I think that's a, that's the whole point, right? The what, what sort of like the social media paints as one picture is not applicable for every everyone. Exactly. Right. It might be applicable. Some people might actually like that. Some people like wearing whatever they like blazers, for example. But it's not for everybody, and it's not. We should not be judging everyone with the same measurement stick. Yeah. Because there isn't one. Yeah. And we should be humble and kind and accepting, regardless of yeah. who you are, what size doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, or, or where you look, color, race, gender. Like we can go on, right? Exactly. But we we should also, you know, <laughs> we've got thousands of years of of building image and we still believe that what we see is the truth when Mm. you know victorians use their equivalent of photoshop now anyone can put on a filter but we've never been equipped to go and look at an image and go like this is not real it's not real we have been led to believe that when you see a film or a, a, a the photo of a model in a photo shoot or, you know, someone snapping a selfie in a beach. That's reality. It's it's really not. It's never been. But when you don't see how that sausage is made, it's very difficult to go like, yeah, actually, I could do that too. Yeah. You know, it's just a lot of pins and, yeah. and stuff. I mean, I guess that's the social media, right? That you just see the, the positive. Yeah, an extremely but... curated version of everything absolutely yeah when when you were you know facing all those um you know comments um and then you know the the you said you had to get out of some of the relationships um in the end 
did you have any help around did you talk to any about anyone about you know this is how you feel about your your body image or your mind that is causing all this you know craziness and you just wanted people to just yeah accept the way you are versus define the way you know they should accept you there 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 was one of the relationships where i did t- try to talk to a lot of people about is this normal and i don't know if it is because i was in the uk at that point um where people are not necessarily very forthcoming in their opinions <laughs> um where i i just felt that was something wrong but I didn't know how to fix it and I was trying to get external points of view to you know validate the crazy because uh, you get to that point where you go like you've dented my my confidence to such a degree that I don't know if I'm the crazy in the village or you know this, this is, is all yeah. part of the gaslighting and emotional abuse that you've su- you have subjected me to for many many years and that's not right but I didn't I didn't know or realize at the time how to get professional help. And it also gets to a point when you are talking to your friends um about like oh I don't I don't like my body. I feel really fat and that kind of thing. Of course your friends love you and they don't care about that. So it very quickly becomes a bit of a pity party rather than, you know what I mean? And you go like why am I talking about this? Of course you love me. There's nothing wrong here. They're not the issue. is is everything else that mm-hmm. that you can't have a candid chat with that that is the issue yeah and i think the the professional point is very important uh, again there is probably yes. uh i mean i come from india there's a stigma around like oh my god you're seeing a counselor there's you're like yes. mental you should go to a you know the one of those mental yes. hospital mm-hmm. and it's like no i you look after your body so you look after your mind 100% and and this is something that I realized when when I probably had anxiety way before I realized it could be anxiety and definitely before mm. I was diagnosed with anxiety um and I um at that point was signed off from work and the anxiety had been uh because I wasn't doing really well at work according to my standards because this is the other thing the standards that a brain gives you are ridiculous in compared to the standards that you have for other people you're a lot more empathetic of circumstances you're a lot more able to work with people have but for your for myself at least it, it's ridiculous so when my brain has these standards that i'm not able to meet it means that i'm spinning and when i when i span out of control that's when i finally went and worked with a therapist on cognitive behavior therapy and i also worked with a life coach and between the two of them they gave me a ton of resources which means that if i have anxiety again and and i've had it um i am a much better placed um person to to manage it. I know what medical resources I have. I know what um non-medical resources am I going to need? What, you know, how I need to uh maybe look after myself a little bit more with more sleep or you know right. just taking care of that internal child a bit better that you've been neglecting. So it it it, it is um hugely important that if you are not able to 
get to that stage yet. At least mm. talk to someone that can help because it was my friend that said, just, just have got to go and talk to someone. Yeah. I think one thing that uh, I want to point out here is the imposter syndrome, which is, am I good enough? Yes. Am I good looking? Yes. Am I, you know, yes. smart enough as mm-hmm. well, right? Yeah. And it just plays in your mind and, you know, it affects your daily routine, work or non-work. And then you start not performing because you're building up yourself yes. to mm-hmm. it, right? Yep. And your brain just shuts down and yes. you don't want to do anything and yes. you don't do anything. Yeah. And that's when you start sort of like sp- spiraling down to the, the very bottom. Absolutely. Uh, and that's when you like, I think the trigger is really what you need to understand. And then hopefully if you have the self, um, um, self-consciousness, self uh, which obviously comes with a lot of practice, mindfulness, meditation, lots of tactics, then hopefully you can see those triggers and then go ask for help. Uh, exactly, absolutely. Yeah. I just kind of wished I had been able to start that kind of work 10 years before I did, because I would have definitely saved myself a lot of pain if I had known that those resources are available and they are extremely crucial to you know long-term happiness really so when you're going through a a process of change uh, in the positive so Mm. you're trying to recover from all the feedback that you've gotten or you know pointing fingers like oh you're this or that and hopefully you're in a journey of recovery in a way Um, what does optimism play a role in all of this I think it's incredibly powerful and I think that um, it's like that book, right, about luck. Are you lucky or, you know, just accepting of opportunities that come your way? Mm. Um, I think ultimately I'm definitely a person that errs on the optimistic side of life. But what that brings is that sometimes (laughs) my enthusiasm can, you know, steamroll over other things and I have to pause and and I've learned to just like take a minute and and not always react so I think um optimism is is a force for good because ultimately it allows you to see the best in in everybody it allows you to feel that regardless of where you're at as well there are other things propping you and other things that you can go back and and rely on and I think in every situation there are many ways of looking at things if you have a more muted way to come at it that's absolutely fine but the the likelihood for my type of uh, personality is that if i approach something with a more enthusiastic optimistic view i'm more likely to get more out of it than if i'm like Ugh, can't be asked yeah yeah, absolutely. So this podcast is about young people. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, one of the things that social media mm-hmm. and all this information on the internet has done is actually created this, you know, we talked about the image yes. that you're supposed to have versus what you have, right? And actually it's led to uh, some serious issues uh, with, you know, diet, like anorexia yes. uh, and body image and, you know, people losing extreme amount of weight just to look certain way. Uh, or, or just not accepting, you know, the way they are. And in some cases, actually, it's led to quite serious damage like suicide. Yeah. So if there was a one young person thinking, I hate myself, I hate the way I look, 
the high, I hate the way I, um, you know, I'm not pretty. What would you say that to, say to that young person? I think it's a very hard road to tread um, because everything that comes from the inside and, and all of those feelings, while they may not be reflective of the truth, the truth are still valid. Mm. However, what we have to remember is that we are worse critics always. And it's it's always um, that quote about, you know, you, you see a person and they think that they've got it all made up and they're living an amazing life and someone wants to be them. You are that to someone else and it never crosses your yeah. mind. So I, I would say that if if you're ever in a situation where you feel like you are not worth of being in this world because of how you look, go and talk to someone. It's very, very um, difficult, but you definitely are worthy. You're definitely a person of value. There's, there is so much good in you that you can't get out if you can put for a second visions and and feelings of low self-esteem because of things that you haven't even built yourself it's all external inputs and it's all absolute shit that you should not be dealing with but you can't avoid because it's everywhere yeah so you are not the problem but you are the vessel to find a solution yeah everybody should be here and should be enabled and celebrated for who they are yeah i think it almost is that you're reconciling between what they say and what they expect versus what you expect from yourself 100 percent. and then you know figuring out what works best for you because again like there's no one solution to all the problems and everyone's problem right because yes. what you might be facing might be totally different to what i'm facing and so on right exactly so it's like figuring out what works for you? What's that reconciliation journey for your yeah. own self? And also, very importantly, find what brings you joy. Find what brings you joy. What did you find? What was joy for you? Well, joy for me is is things like friendship and um, I love the arts. For me, going to the theatre, to the ballet, to, to a gallery, I love that. Mm. I love colours. Like I said before, if one day I am feeling a bit meh, I'll just, yeah. you know, get all the glitzy stuff out. There's no such thing as best in my case. You you have it, you wear it. And so, so finding what brings you joy, it's a very, it's a very safe path to building yourself little by little because otherwise you will be full of those negative inputs mm. that you know don't don't have a place in mm. in a fully formed person i i did a workshop last year with uh, professor professor tania tar who is a behavioral psych, scientist and the workshop was about um burnout in the workplace however there's a framework that she shares that is called the house of well-being and each the, the house of well-being has four rooms and each of those rooms needs to be full to at least a point to to make you happy and one room is work another room work uh, room is family and friends another room 
is kind of exercise or activity of, of whatever kind you do. And I think the fourth room uh, is things like spirituality and creativity and that kind of thing. And when you are in, in the deepest, saddest thing, it's because all of those rooms are completely depleted. And finding ways of, you know, finding small parts of joy to fill mm -hmm. those rooms with will be a very, very, um, not not easy, but a, a much more defined way than trying to deal with everything external. So just, yeah. just those moments of joy are very, very important. Yeah, it's important to find that balance between yes. a lot of things, right? And yeah. Sometimes that can be also a bit of a pressure on someone that, oh, I have to spend time with family and friends and work and this and that. But it's not about, you know, tick box exercise. Exactly. But Maybe it's not your friends and your family. Maybe it's, you know, listening to a podcast by a professor from a university. Maybe, maybe that's your right. time. You just have to find what brings you joy. Maybe it is being in nature with a bunch of cows. That's, that's what does it. It doesn't yeah. matter. Just, you know, as long as you're not harming anyone or anything, just find what brings you joy and, and make you fill you up with that energy. Things don't change dramatically yeah. night to day, but small incremental steps make huge difference when you when you look back. Yeah. Speaking of energy, I am I'm, I'm getting a lot of energy from you. <laughs> I, I, lo I, lo I love the conversation. Uh, but we have to, you know, end it somewhere. So one of the last questions I ask every guest is if you were young again, uh, what advice would you give to yourself? So dear Sarah, finish the sentence. I, I would say to her to... It's, a, it's such a cliche. <laughs> it's like that episode of Drag Race at the end when they show the picture of themselves when they're little. What would you tell little Bob? Well, I would tell her to you know, continue charting her way. I think having um, parents is clear that they have some ideas of how things should be. And, and then you come out and you're an entirely different person. And it, it is difficult because you are exposed to these things, but there's absolutely no harm in doing things the way you think they need to be done because you will work it out you will find it you know you learn very quickly as well as well so i think i would definitely say to to stay true to that nature and forget about the expectations you know you're going to come out the other way anyway and and it's not going to be by fulfilling the expectations of anyone anyone else but yours so so mine and i think that there is that key element of um, trust. You have to trust yourself with your decisions. Just make the damn decision, get on with it. If it's wrong, you'll fix it. it, it otherwise, that continues self-doubt and second-guessing. It's a lot of wasted energy. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, it was not only inspiring to hear your journey and you know hearing you accept the way you are the who you are but also it's very brave to share it with the world so thank I you think, so much I think we're all a work in process and that's very important to acknowledge no one is, is I, I'm done I'm a fully completed individual so acknowledging that we'll keep on learning we'll, we'll hopefully be less stupid than we yeah. were yesterday is also part of it so, yeah. Yeah. thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me.